You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, you know, healthy, alive, staying safe, staying cool. It's been a little warm lately. Well, lucky you. As cool as I can with the cl- uh, current political climate. We'll put it that way. Oh, it's fun. It's fun, right? I, I tell you what, if you think the last four years have been fun, just wait until what happens in a few weeks, right? Yeah? You with me? Huh? What's going to happen in three weeks? We're not going to know a winner in three weeks. Oh, Are we? man, 2021 is looking good, right? You know something? We're going to be It's going to be fun, right? We're going to be praying for 2021 to be like 2020. We're going to say, man, can, can't we just go back to, to 2020 because things are so crazy in 2021? I, I have a feeling that's what it's going to be because they're going to turn. If you thought it was bad with Trump the first three years, man, they're going to turn this heat up like you've never seen before. It's going to be crazy. It is going to be absolutely crazy. Of course, make sure that if you're getting a mail-in ballot that you just turn it back in, drop it in any mailbox, and I'm sure it will find its way into the nearest ditch, shredded into a million pieces <laughs> on its way to be counted sometime in the month of, uh, I don't know, February, March, somewhere along in there. I, I don't know. We probably it's, it's possible we might not even know who the winner is ever. You know, I mean, I still think that they don't even know who the winner of the Iowa caucus is from the Democratic um, primary, do they? We still to this day don't know who it is. Nope. And there's been a lot of local elections like mayors and whatnot that have they found that there's been some fraud going on. And there was um, a mayor, I think it was in, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I think it was in Texas that was just charged with like 120 or no, it was like 109 counts of voter and mail mm-hmm. fraud. Yep. Yep. And uh, I mean, are, are we surprised? I, no. I mean, have, have, have Americans been living, you know, with their head in the sand or something? It's just not paying it. Like we knew as Americans that fraud has been going on for a long time. So The argument that mail-in ballots are going to cause more fraud, I mean, that should be like, well, yeah, duh. I mean, we knew that. But apparently we're conspiracy theorists for for thinking that. You know, we talked yesterday about uh, about Joe Biden and how no one's really excited for him. You know, they had like a they had a 300 golf cart parade or whatever. Yeah. Wait till you hear what they did to Mike Pence. They had a 300 golf cart parade and and Biden was given speeches and Bernie was given speeches to empty parking lots and all that stuff. Biden and Kamala Harris kicked off their bus tour. Uh, let me see if I can find. I know. I know. Did I put it up? Yeah, here it is. Uh, they kicked off their bus tour. It was in Arizona somewhere. Right. This is where they kicked off their bus tour. We're being told Arizona is a battleground state. Right. That's what we're being told. It's it's purple. It's it's uh, it's a new swing state because of the exodus from California. OK, well, I'm sorry. This is in Phoenix. OK, in Phoenix. So they kicked off their bus tour in Phoenix and not a single soul showed up in support of Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. Not a single person showed up to the inaugural kickoff of the bus tour. No one showed up. 
Does that tell you something? Does that tell you anything at all? The only people that showed up were people from the local campaign offices down there. So the news media showed up. I think it was like the local uh, Fox affiliate or something, Fox 10 down there. They showed up and they said, and well, uh, what's her, uh, the reporter there? She says, we're right outside of the Heard Museum where Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on their motorcade arrived about one o'clock this afternoon, says their meeting with several tribal leaders here at the Heard Museum, which, by the way, Trump just signed something involving. Can you grab that real quick? Uh, involving. Native Americans. I can't remember what it was. The media is ignoring it. It should be down there at the bottom. Uh, but he met with uh, it, their meeting with several tribal leaders at the Heard Museum. And there's not a lot of fanfare out there. She says there's really uh, there's really much to see. And I'll step out of the way. So she steps to the side and there's an empty lot. No one's there. The motorcade's there. You can see the tour bus and, and everything else. They're all there, but no one's there. Said we don't see people rallying outside. We don't see signs of much of what's going on. Uh, I'm told by one of the Biden staffers and local staffers is that they kind of kept the details about the visit as far as timing and exact location. They didn't want to give out or give that out to the public because they want to keep crowds at a minimum. Uh, I, I OK, I, I don't really believe that. OK, maybe, maybe because they're playing the, the pandemic game uh, because they say uh, they realize we're in a pandemic, blah, blah, blah. They don't want a crowd of people more than 50. OK, um, you've had people that show up at your events and they're Trump supporters. And I'm not talking about like a counter demonstration. Biden pulled into a high school the other day. I think it was last well, yeah, uh, end of last week, pulled into a high school and there wasn't a single Biden supporter out there. It was all Trump supporters on on the side of the road as his convoy was pulling in. They can't get anybody at these rallies. Jill Biden can't even get people to, to fill up seats in her backyard for a barbecue in support of this. So it doesn't surprise me. No one's excited about this. No one. So what did Trump do? There was something that he did uh, involving uh, Native American tribes and, and something about allowing them and, and their investigators to partner with federal investigators to uh, get a better handle on solving crimes. Uh, what, what is that? Because, the, like I said, the media is not covering it. So what, what exactly did he do? So this is uh, the Savannah's Act uh, is what it is called. Basically, what it's doing is exactly as you said, it's to set up guidelines on how the feds and uh, the tribes um, the, on the, uh, the reservations, how they're going to interact with one another to um, track down and prevent crime. Uh, so uh, if someone's kidnapped or killed or, you know, w whatever it is, they're creating uh, the uh, mechanisms for the interaction there to to track that down and, and have a collaboration between the two. Because, see, we've kind of talked about it before. These reservations technically are nations inside of America, right? They're their own nation, more or less. So the laws and th things that they function under are typically they decide themselves. Like they, they can choose whether or not to follow the Constitution and, and whatnot. Typically, they do more or less, but they create their own laws and their own regulations and whatnot. So honestly, this is a great uh, inroad, I think, a great step, because uh, personally, I'm, I, I don't think we should have reservations anymore. Personally, at this point, we, we should be melting pot assimilating with, 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 you know, into American culture. Um, that's not to say they can't continue practicing what they're, you know, their beliefs no, or anything. I'd, I'd fully expect them to, but honestly, I would, I would yeah, fully expect them to agree keep to their traditions and their, their values and things, of course. So and to uh, be fair, I think half of your state is now an Indian reservation. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like half or three fourths or something like that, somewhere in that range. But this is named after Savannah LaFontaine Greywind. 
she was I, a I vague, uh, pregnant 22 year old. Yeah, I vaguely recall that case. I, I vaguely recall that case. Yeah. And I remember that there was a lot of there was a lot of national headlines about that at the time, and not much was really done about it. And that's that that's a damn shame. And I understand that, as you say, it's like their their own. Uh, it's like essentially it's like their own countries in there. And okay, that's fine. Yeah. You know, they have their own uh, law enforcement. They've got tribal. Um, I don't know if it's really councils, but they have to see like tribal judges and on all of that. And it's it's a completely different system of justice and, and all of that in there. And they don't take kindly to outsiders. That much I know. That much I know. When you try to send an independent investigator on a reservation to do any kind of investigating, no one will talk. No one. So when you yeah. try to go to the local liaison, whoever that might be for, you know, say like the um, you know the tribal police department, whoever it is, they're the ones a lot of times that actually have to conduct the investigation with limited resources. So you, you kind of need to have a situation here where you have a joint operation so you can have access to those resources to conduct a full investigation to find out what happened. This bill also provides $295 million uh, towards this, um, this goal. Uh, of um, uh, really cooperation between between the uh, two entities, so it's a good step. I mean, this this is a good thing. I'm 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 for you know law and order, and when there is a crime, law law enforcement does need to be able to track down the criminal. Indeed, and like I said, the media is not talking about that. You know, all all these well, no, things makes, that are it, it looks good. Yeah, uh, of all these things that are actually happening, that Trump's actually getting done, the media is just ignoring it. They're, they're ignoring all of it. So when he actually does something. You know, decent. Uh, they they just let it go. So instead, what do they do? They report on Biden meeting with tribal leaders in in Phoenix at a museum for what? Like what? Okay, he met with tribal leaders in Phoenix. What were they discussing? Can, can we at least know that? So you're telling me that someone that's been in 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 politics for nearly fifty years has only passed one bill. He's he's being reactionary to something that Trump has done. He's done more in his four years than Biden's done in his 50 or nearly 50 years. I mean, it looks pretty. I mean, Biden is guilty of uh, fraternizing with um, KKK members. Yeah. Senator so, Bird, he gave the gave a glowing eulogy at the man's funeral. He did. So and he, he he's going in and, and supposedly is going to have good talks good discussions with Native Americans and, and blacks and other people of color when he's guilty himself of, of saying very racist things, saying, oh, you I, know. I don't like the identity politics, but he's pulling it. That side is pulling it out and wanting to talk about it. OK, you want to talk about it. Let's talk about it. If Trump would say and I, again, I'm, we're, we're not playing cheerleaders here. If Trump would say we're just talking rhetoric. OK, if Trump would say any of the 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 comments like I mean clearly these are racist comments. If he would say any of this stuff, the media would have him absolutely barbecued on every channel in every front page of every paper. You know it would happen. You know it would happen. And rightfully so. The the Republicans Exactly. I mean, his exactly. own party would have, have, have burned him at the stake for and saying those kind of things. And they should. Yeah. Well, I mean, fi figuratively speaking, not, not literally. Figuratively. Yes. Stake, yes. 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 Yeah. It, this is all rightfully so. Yeah. yeah. Rightfully so. They should take somebody down politically for something like that. Of course, you, you yes. don't you don't endorse talk like that. Speaking of talk and hateful, violent rhetoric, you and I listened to a clip and we can't play it here because it's 15 minutes long and I don't want to go through all of it. You and I listened to a clip of Keith Olbermann before we started here. Do you want to give a rundown? You listened to more of it than I did. Do you want to give a rundown on what this guy has uh, has said? Liberal pundit Keith Olbermann 
right? Now, th- just to kind of set the tone here, he recently left ESPN. He was on he was on MSNBC for a while. Then he left. He went to ESPN, and then uh, now he's back on. Is it back? Is he back on MSNBC? Is that where is that where this is? So he's. I don't know who he's with, uh, but. I think all of his content's only going to be on YouTube. Like, okay, I don't well, think any of his content's going to be aired. Okay, yeah, it says here the X MSNBC anchor. Uh, so, okay, yeah, all right. So, is this it's on his own YouTube channel then mostly. Now, like I said, there's a 15 minute clip of him going through this uh, th- this rant about Trump and the people around him. And I, I mean, it's it's bad. It's bad. Some of the stuff that he says. And now I'm not I'm not shocked by it. I'm not shocked by it because I know how these people behave and I know I know who these people are behind the scenes. I, I know who they are because I know history and I know how these people act. You just don't see them do it out in public because they have somewhat of a um, uh, of a front that they like to show to people. Right. They want to show that they're a nice, caring individual up front that then when they get in power. Then the gloves come off and it's an iron fist. But in this case, I, with this guy, this is this is horrible. This is absolutely horrible. I'm I'm almost not sure. I think they're convinced that Biden's going to win. I think they've convinced themselves that Biden's going to win, hands down. So they can be this. They can take the masks off. I, I think they're so inundated in their uh, echo chambers that they they can't see outside and look that I, I pulled up his YouTube channel, right? And this video specifically, which by the way, the, the rhetoric he's talking about here, I referenced it off, off recording and said, this is like Hitler's speech about how the Jews are rats. This is literally him calling conservatives maggots. People that believe yep. in, in the Constitution, people that believe in the Bill of Rights, people that support Trump, they're maggots. And they should be not just um, prosecuted and convicted, but also, quote, removed from our society while we try to rebuild it and to rebuild rebuild the world Trump has destroyed by turning it over to a virus. Wow. So, my question is here, what does he mean by remove from our society? Because there's only two things that you do there to remove someone from society. You either exile them on some other, like Australia back in the day, you know, you, you put them on some penal colony, if you will, or you execute them. That is it. There is no other option. There is only two options there. So if you're, if you're in the Soviet Union, you? you'd send them to the Gulag in Eastern Siberia. I mean... <laughs> Which which is both of those combined. You're you're exiling and executing essentially. Uh, yeah, but or, or you know if you were in Nazi Germany, they would send you off to a. You know they had political prisoners. You know if you were a Marxist under Hitler's rule, Marxism didn't exist. You know he made a deal with them in the beginning. Yeah, let's work together. Let's get this uh, let's get this socialism thing on the move. Yeah, let's get this going. And I, I rem- I've seen the speeches, you know, the the, uh, the historical documentaries and all that stuff. I, I've seen the speeches. And he says very clearly, he says, well, we had a problem with that Marxist party. We don't have to worry about that Marxist party any longer. I liquidated them. The, the, the problem that the left is going to run into is the people that they're uh, collaborating with, shall we say. BLM, Antifa, they want to destroy the entire system. They don't want to just, you know, uh, get rid of conservatives or whatnot. And they want to destroy everybody that helps them bring it in along the way, because as it always goes, every time in history, revolutionaries are never radical enough. They're never radical enough. And that's my point is once this is done and over, let's say they win and they get rid of all conservatives and they get rid of all the people that are sane. Okay, what you're going to have left is um, a bunch of anarcho uh, communists. You're going to have a bunch of anarchists um, and 
ironically, some of the people that they're that they're um, grouping up with are some of the more extreme side of uh, Islam. Uh, I don't know if uh, you, you're aware of that as a listener. Um, and you, you're going to have this wonderful power struggle of um, ideas, if you will, uh, of these these radical groups that are going to be fighting each other. And we're already seeing kind of elements of that as they eat their own. The the wonderful DSA meeting that we that we uh, witnessed here last year, you know, where they were um, basically they could spent three days just trying to get the procedures done or, or in place for how they should interact with one another. Right. That you shouldn't say gendered language, that you shouldn't, you know, just the, the nonsense that was there. And to, they're not radical. Uh, enough, just so you know, they're not radical enough. Right. And then we see protests between BLM and um, Antifa at each other's throats, almost literally. Uh, well, literally in some cases where they were uh, attacking each other. So we're already seeing those groups um, against one another. It, it, it's only going to be magnified if if you were to remove the conservatives. If you could, if you remove the, um, I mean, we've seen this in history. When you remove the common enemy, uh, you know the the. The, the the old saying the enemy of my enemy is my friend right well once you get rid of that enemy um now you're enemies again right so you get rid of con- the conservative group now they're enemies again and you'll see continue to see fighting i think a good example of that that you can make a comparison to would be what we did to fight uh nazi germany during the second world war we cut a deal with the soviets didn't we with stalin we said look we both have a common problem here. Uh, you got uh, the the Nazis that are attacking the West, and they're attacking you on the uh, on your Western front. So uh, we kind of need to uh, work together and, and solve this problem. We'll, we'll put our differences aside and we'll fix this problem because it threatens all of us. And of course, they agreed to it. But what happened after the war was over, and we kind of you know split the spoils, if you will, uh, after we we cut that deal with them. Well, the Cold War came shortly after, didn't it? So the problem was, is that we got too close to that um, to that essence, if you will, of the Soviet style of, of communism. As a matter of fact, Vladimir Putin himself has just come out, what was it, the end of last week? And he said that he is actually uh, more in favor of a Biden victory this time around. He's He thinks that uh, the Democrats, the modern Democrats in America, are more in line with the types of uh, the, the Soviet-style communists, of which he was a member of for 18 years, and he was also head of the KGB. Basically endorsed Biden, is what you're saying. Pretty much, yeah. But, That's what he did. But but I thought Trump was working with the Russians. I thought I thought Trump was the one that was using the Russians to enact his nefarious goals. Well, I mean, again, you know, it's it's that adage, as you put it, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. OK, so we were friends with the Soviets and technically we shouldn't have been. You know, we could have cleaned up that problem. We, we could have gone across at the time uh, after the after the Nazis were defeated. We could have gone across and we could have swept Russia. We could have, but we didn't. And as a result, uh, we've allowed that problem of of Marxism in the Far East to fester. Uh, and I'm talking about China. And this this is the last, in my opinion, I think this is the last uh, the last fight against that ideology going forward, because once we take care of this problem, this should have ended in 49, but it didn't. We had the elites in the West, the, the corrupt elites in the West. They put Mao in power. 
right? That's mainline history. Anybody can look that up. They, anybody can look that up. The, the diverted shipments gave Chiang Kai-shek the arms that didn't have firing pins in them, all the works, you know, all the rest of it. He was set up. And as a result, you had Mao and his cohorts take over. And the elites here in the West used China to build that system from the ground up under their auspices of authoritarianism to springboard themselves and their agenda into the future past us here in the West. That was 70 years ago. And now we're at the end of that game. So now they're putting that system that they've spent seven decades building into action here on the West. That's what it was designed to do. It was designed to leapfrog us and then carry them into the future under the auspices of authoritarianism. Authoritarianism is here. Fascism has returned. Before we stray too far from Olbermann, there was a few other points I wanted to, to point out yes, here sir, about you know his how, rhetoric. You know how I get, man. I get no, on the rants. I, well, I, I did it too. I went off uh, on, onto a tangent as well. Um, just to kind of point out a few things here. Uh, number one, uh, in this uh, 14-minute um, tirade, he said that Trump was an unindicted co-conspirator to the uh, anti-government militia that tried to abduct Gretchen Whitmer. Now, keep in mind, this is the guys we were talking about here the other day about, or maybe it was yesterday, how uh, they were Antifa. They were they were they're um, anarchists. They don't prescribe to our way of thinking as far as, you know, they don't prescribe to the constitution and they don't, or, or Trump for that matter. So keep that in mind that Trump had nothing to do with them. And he's also disavowed white supremacists, racists, um, so on and so forth. We've, we've gone did over that though, time and time again. Did he though? I mean, according to the I, mainstream I know, right? media, he, he hasn't disavowed any of it. So in this, right, in his little tirade, um, he said, um, uh, this is a quote. He and his enablers and his supporters and his collaborators, the Mike Lees, the William Bars, the Mike Pences, the Rudy Giuliani's, the Kyle Rittenhouse's, and the Amy Coney Barrett's must be prosecuted, convicted, and removed from our society, which we, we talked about that bit already. Uh, prosecuted for what? That is my question as well. For, for what? what? Uh, convicted for what? That, that's the question here. Prosecuted. Uh, okay, you want to prosecute somebody. Well, we have laws on the books to prosecute people. Right. We have we have a system of justice. We have courts. We have laws. So prosecute them for what? Convict well, them. For one what? of those one of those that he's talking about here, the Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse is going through our uh, judicial system right now. He is yeah. going through trial that's, because of what he did. That's, yeah, but that's I mean, we've seen all the video. That's the self-defense. They're like they're, there's it no self-defense. Yeah. They have a self-defense. Um, and also Amy Coney Barrett. You know, all I've seen about the Barrett so far is they're good people. Um, it, they're, they're kind people. And uh, they happen to be Catholic, though. And they happen to believe that um, all life matters, including those that are unborn, you know, so they're against abortion. Oh, that that that, you know, goes against their narrative, doesn't it? Of course, well, we, we can't we have we can't have Roe v. Wade under under a, an extremist ideology like that. Honestly, Mike Lee, that's another one. Mike Lee. Well, we'll use him as the Mike Lee yeah, and Mike Pence. What's both. with Mike Lee? What, what's with Mike Lee? I mean, there's I, I get Mike oh, Lee's very. Him. Yeah, I, I, I get it. But I mean, there's other people in there, too. It's not just Mike Lee. So why him? Why that one specifically? Because he's, he, he's a constitutionalist. He's the one that oh. keeps hammering them with Constitution. constitution God forbid. Constitution. God forbid Small we have somebody in Congress. Yeah. God forbid we'd have somebody in Congress that swears an oath to the Constitution upon taking office that actually wants to uphold it. Right. That's, that's so crazy. 
And then, uh, by the way, in this in this tirade, he calls um, the average American, the American that believes in the Constitution, the bill. By the way, if you look at those people that he lists off there and you just look at their their basic principles about them, right? Mike Lee is a constitutionalist, small government type. That's the typical conservative. Uh, William Barr, you could say it's a conservative with uh, law and order type, right? Uh, Mike Pence, that's your religious kind of middle of the road conservative guy. Rudy Giuliani, that's the New Yorker conservative uh, type. Kyle Rittenhouse, that's the more extreme one that was out there trying to clean up graffiti and help people with medical aid, but he was carrying a gun and defended himself. So he, he was, um, in a sense, a constitutionalist. And then the Amy Coney Barrett, that is the um, uh, uh, suburb, suburban mom type. So and somehow has a career got, and like eight kids or whatever. Yeah, she's. I was about to say she's got eight kids, two of which I believe are uh, they're Haitian. They're adopt that they adopted from Haiti. And somehow or another, I'm still trying to figure this one out. Somehow or another, that is now racist. Yeah. Well, it's because they they kidnapped those two kids. That that was the you can't be they, serious. They, they that that's literally the argument that they come up. Oh with, my god! They, they essentially kidnapped them. They stole them wow. from their their loving family or whatever. Oh my goodness! Uh, whatever nonsense. Is there course, any guess, level these the, people won't stoop to? Is there any level they won't stoop to? Well, uh, uh, we're, we're we're talking about the levels that they're stooping to right now in the, in the public eye. And, Fair enough. Uh, of course, I guess me pointing out all the groups that by those those people. Really, he says his supporters as well. So anybody that voted for Trump or believes in Trump in some way, um, you guys should be um, prosecuted and convicted and expelled from society. According to Oberman. According to Oberman. Yes. And this this video is is still up there on YouTube and they haven't taken it down. This has been flagged or any of that stuff. Yes. Uh, So uh, if you want to go check it out yourself, um, I I hesitate saying this because I don't want him to have the views, but just negative bomb him uh, at this point and report it while you're at it because this is hate speech. This is terrorism. This is literally calling for execution of people that disagree with him ideologically. Uh, Worst person in the world by Keith Oberman. Number two, Trump's plan to nullify the election. That's the full name. Uh, Quite a long name, but really you could probably just Google Keith Oberman and pull up his YouTube and, and find it there. Yeah. Why this video is still up, why that channel hasn't been banned, if this was a conservative that was saying this kind of stuff, it would have been banned long before a thousand viewers seen it. And and rightfully th- so. At this time. Have. Yeah. At this time, 135,000 people have seen it. So um, I, I'm sorry. That is that is not that is not free speech. That That is not free speech. When, when you're out there calling for the prosecution, the conviction and the expelling of from society from, from somebody, how is that not like it? Okay, if reverse it. Okay, put put um who's that who's that wound up national socialist that's over there? Um, Richard Spencer. Richard Spencer. Mm. Put that instead of Oberman. He'd be banned in five minutes. He'd be banned in five minutes. Well, but I mean, because this guy is a there. Uh, okay, yeah. Put okay. Put uh, I, I don't know. Put um. Put Senator Mike Lee up there saying it, right? Which he would never do that. But put him right. up there saying Far it. From He'd it. be banned in five minutes. And do you know what the, the what the media headlines would be? My God, if if Trump would say this, if Trump would come out and say stuff like this, then he would be exactly what the media says he already is. It's not Trump saying this. The media telling you that this is who Trump is, betting on the fact that they think you're so stupid, you're not going to know the difference, that you're going to be spoon fed an opinion 
Everything that they accuse him of doing is a reprojection of what they themselves are and what they are doing. All of this is a big psychological game to these people. They have the best minds working on this stuff, feeding it to society one step at a time. And pieces of garbage like this Oberman, I'm sorry, as somebody that shouts down both sides and somebody that shouts down extremists in general, I mean, this guy, as far as I'm concerned, this guy should be arrested and prosecuted for for calling for uh, uh, violence against other people because of their political beliefs. We don't have room in civilized society for stuff like that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So uh, to push back just a little bit, um, as far as freedom of speech goes, I'm all for freedom of speech. If he wants to say that kind of rhetoric, have at it. The catch is um, when you start going down those those extremes like that, you have no protections, at least from a corporate entity. So, for example, if YouTube was to say, um, I'm sorry, you violated our um, guidelines. Bye bye. I'm, I'm fine with that. But having the government, I'm 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 torn on where to draw the line for uh, the the where freedom of speech ends, if you will. I, I have difficulty with that one, because if you I guess if you keep with the spirit of the rest of the First Amendment to where you peacefully assemble, then I guess you could say, okay, if, if your speech is peaceful, but then that it's a really gray area because if you start saying, well, only sp- speech that's peaceful can do it. Well, the stuff we're talking about right now is not peaceful if you're on the left. If you're against the Constitution, the stuff we're talking about is not peaceful. So I, I, I hesitate where to draw lines when it comes to freedom of speech, because depending on who has power and who's um, defining it, if you will, that is... That's a lot of power to wield for the government to, to hit people like us. It is. And, you know, I, I think that I think you can also look at it from another another aspect, too. And that is we look at ourselves in terms in the United States of Republican and Democrat. Right. We've always we've always kind of you know been along those lines. Yeah, you've had you've had some independence and stuff in there. But at the end of it, traditionally, I'm speaking traditionally here at the end of it, the parties themselves really weren't all that different. We each had a different opinion on things, but I think at the, but on policy, on policy, but the end result, we all wanted the same thing. We all wanted a better form of, uh, of a more perfect union, right? Isn't that how we put it in the declaration? Exactly. So we Mm -hmm. all, we all strived to become that, but we just had different ways on how we could get there. And that's fine. That's that's policy stuff. We can disagree on that stuff. We can make compromises there. But on something like this, honestly, I I don't see that happening because you're talking about the expulsion of another person for an idea that doesn't agree with your own. He's gone past what we traditionally accept as you know, a differing of of opinion when it comes to policy. He's talking about the political show trials that you would have in the Soviet Union under the blood purges, for God's sake. That's what he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. And more than that, it's not I mean, I would liken it to exactly that. The uh, the 30,000 that Stalin had executed a year prior to the to the Second World War, lieutenants and above, because now now think about this. Think about this. And this is this is mainline history. You can go and look this up. Look up the blood purges of, uh, of I think it was 39, 38, 39 in the Soviet Union. And what was it? Stalin got rid of 30,000 officers in the Red Army. 30,000. Why? Why did he do that? Because they could have been possible opposition to him and his reign of terror. Possible 
opposition. There was actually no sign of any kind of uh, power play on Stalin or the regime itself. But for him to, this is what tyrants do, for them, or excuse me, for him to assert more authority and, and tighten his grip on power and over the Soviets was to have this type of uh, action take place. That way he knew the ones that would come up to replace them in the Red Army would be loyal. And this is the kind of talk we're hearing from uh, from guys like Oberman. And it's it's that is I, I don't even want to say I, I think despicable is too nice of a word, to be honest. I would say it's despicable. But honestly, I, d- due to terms of service, I don't think I can say what I really want to say about this guy because of how terrible that is. And by the way, the um, uh, purge you're talking about there happened. Uh, they call it the 37 purge. Um, 37. Purge. OK. I knew it was right. Uh, 30, it, it, 37, 38, 39, somewhere along the way. But it, it happened between 36 and 38. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, guys like Oberman, this guy is, I, I mean, I don't even, I, I don't have words. This guy is scum. I mean, human scum. He's worse than a traitor, in my opinion. It, I mean, traitor would be the, would be a polite way, I think, at this point. People like this don't have allegiance to any kind of morality or decency. They don't care about human life. As a matter of fact, I, I don't think he cares about anything at all. How miserable of a sack must he be to project this kind of hatred in the speeches that he gives like that? How, how miserable of a person must he be to, to put that out onto to unsuspecting people? It's despicable. And, you know, this is where you can tie in situations like what happened in Denver. By the way, that guy was a wound up Bernie supporter, I might add. Another uh, uh, congressional shooting, it seemed like. He was oh, yeah, he's a, he a big Bernie supporter. The guy in Denver? Not that only shot that. The, uh, yeah, yeah. He's not a security guard, by the way. No, he's not. Denver no, he's, officials said he has no license there to be. Yeah, a he has guard. no license. So what was he doing there? What, what was he doing there? He was hired through a, a security company out there, but he didn't have a license to, to work for them. That begs the question. So it seems like there might be more to that story. But uh, this is an example of when you have someone that gives a talk like Oberman there, what does that do? That steams up the marginals. That's what they're doing. They're steaming up the the loonies out there that are going to go out there and they're going to do something stupid. They're going to go out there and they're going to kill people in the streets. That's what that talk is meant to do. It's meant to destabilize society. It's been used time and again like that. Not to mention the fact if if a group like that comes to power. Can you imagine? Right. Can, can you imagine what's going to happen? These, these people like the, Bruce, honestly, these people don't think they're actually going to they, they don't think they're going to win with rhetoric like this, do they? They, they really can't believe that. I, I think they do. I think I think they believe that they're so trapped in their own echo chambers that they can't see any other narrative that it, it's not I actually don't know about the media. I don't know if they're just spewing this rhetoric to keep their job. Olbermann, on the other hand, Olbermann, I think he believes it. How can you not? How can you not believe what you're spewing when you're spewing that vial of content? The stuff that he was talking calling people maggots for for disagreeing with you politically. It's saying that they should be rounded up and executed or at least exiled. You have to be sold on the on that. So for in his case, I think he believes it. And I think he believes that Biden's going to win hands down. Uh, or perhaps they're so terrified that Biden isn't going to win that they're pulling out the radical, crazy nonsense stuff to try to scare people into voting for Biden. I don't know. Well, if Biden wins, it is entirely possible that um, somebody else could have a job in that administration. Hillary Clinton has applied for the job of Secretary of Defense. 
if it's a Joe Biden victory. Uh, she wrote a 5,000 word audition, uh, which was an op-ed piece in, it looks like, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, she, she writes a, uh, she writes an op-ed piece and she, uh, she claims that, uh, well, she's pro-Biden, of course. I mean, and she says that um, massive defense jobs cuts plan, right? That's that's her idea. And so, I'm sorry, it was a uh, it was an op-ed for uh, Foreign Affairs magazine. So the thing is, though, is not many people read that. I mean, it's I've heard of it, and it's it's not really had big readership. I don't think she's uh, she's looking at the idea of of becoming the Secretary of Defense. What what do you think? I mean, she she's not going to go away. She, she's not going to go away. And and to be honest with you, I think that she's more powerful behind the scenes. I mean, the only reason she got the secretary of state job under Obama is because she screamed and cried because she didn't get the nomination in 2008 uh, or 2006 or whenever it was. Uh, but she, she didn't get it then. And she was bitching and complaining and whining and all that stuff. And so they said, OK, yeah, we'll just give you the secretary of state job. And of course, you saw what happened as a result of that. Uh, they went in, they destabilized 11 countries, 11 countries which was the beginning of civil society 2.0, I might add, which is the start of the color revolution in Eastern Europe and what we're seeing in America now. So putting her in a position like this, uh, I no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think uh, I think the Clinton regime is done with uh, personally. I don't know if uh, what is it? Kelsey? Chelsea? Chelsea. Chelsea. Okay. Uh, I don't know if Chelsea's going to get into politics or if she would uh, be able to get very far. I mean, no, she's um, she's looking to take over the Clinton Foundation, like the actual foundation ah, itself. She's she's doing okay. their foundation work now. So she's doing the the money side of thing, the money laundering part. So yeah, okay, pays more. Um, well, it pays more, but also you kind of you you, ha- you have to know how the how that system works before you get into politics. So if you're going to run the Clinton machine, you need to know how the money laundering works before you go into politics. And to be fair, so that, man, that Biden cancer initiative, man, I tell you, getting get all that money and not a dime of it went to cancer research. I mean, that's that is that is phenomenal level of swindling right there. That is. Yeah. So personally, I, I don't I don't think the Clintons. Well, first of all, I don't believe Biden's going to win. Right. In the public square, if you will. Right. So YouTube uh, and whatnot. Looking at the Oberman video, you know what I've seen in there on in the comment section. Ninety nine point nine percent of all the posts or comments were saying, "Why is he saying this kind of um, rhetoric? Why isn't YouTube banning him? Why is he being it, like he's ginning up terrorism? This is terrorism. This is like they're all against what he's saying. How can over four thousand? Okay, so there was." Um, 10,500, I think, likes and dislikes together. Okay. Adding, adding the two together at the time that I watched it and 4,500 comments and all the comments I was scrolling through, nobody was in support of it. The only accounts that I seen supporting it was uh, I tracked through and went through their comments and stuff. They're, They're trolls. They're not like, they're not actual real people, if you will, in the sense of they're not presenting themselves as a real person. All the other people that were on there that had like real names or you could track them down to identifiable people, they were all saying, this is this is not, why are you saying that? In, in other words, they were against it. So how can that be true? How can the NBA be losing numbers and at record lowest numbers uh, ever recorded? The NFL having taking a huge hit. MLB taking a hit because of the the nonsense they're doing. Even the NHL had taken a hit a little bit because of their uh, nonsense. So how do we see all these agencies that are going so woke and 
how Oberman is saying the rhetoric he's saying and have so many dislikes, how can the American people be supporting Biden when you're just endorsing that rhetoric? Well, that's a that's the thing. But it's the machine, isn't it? It's it's just the propaganda machine itself. Like there, there's no difference between I heard it put very well the other day. And it's it's not the media. It's the Democrat Party that is the media. And they carry that agenda. And it's not I mean, they they, they have to at this point. They're committed. But People don't buy it. I don't think. I think. I, I think on average, the American people are smart enough to see through this. Uh, honestly, I, I I really do truly believe that because if you look, if you just look at what we talked about when we started the show tonight, if you just look at this, look at the level of excitement for the Democrats and the Biden camp. Look at the level of excitement. Now, I, I'm not playing right versus left here. I'm not playing Republican versus Democrat. I'm playing the sovereign nation state versus the international order, because that's what this is about, isn't it? That's what I'm playing here. That That's that's where my mind is at. I don't look at this as an individual nation state because we're dealing with an issue that's much larger than that. It's the nation state versus the international order that we talk about in dealings with like the World Economic Forum and the United Nations, the World Health Organization, these, these entities. And they're all seemingly uh, in bed with one other super state, and that's the Chinese Communist Party, which, by the way, that's where COVID-19 came from. Just like to say that, which we seem to conveniently not be mentioning that anymore in the media for obvious reasons. But this is the agenda. The excitement at the national level, which is where they need that movement to come from for the international order, it's not there. You've got lunatics that are out there supporting it, just like you had the climate change people, right? Just you had, just like you had those lunatics out there gluing themselves to airliners, gluing themselves to train cars, gluing themselves to the to hospital floors, that kind of stuff to make their point. Well, they moved on, right? The international order, they moved on. And now they've got a new thing to, to beat us over the head with, and that's COVID-19. And they picked that for this reason, to give something that everyone can get, because then they can make it personal. See, if you just come at it, imagine if they tried to do these lockdowns and, and put all this, this nonsense that they're doing. Imagine if they tried to do this without COVID. What would you do? You'd be pushing back, wouldn't you? But see, if they introduced something in the population that's extremely contagious, but it's not very lethal... Well, then it's just the policy and procedure that they can use to squeeze down on you just a little bit. And if you don't do what they say that is, quote, recommended, well, then it's your fault, isn't it? So, again, as I said, it's it's not about the it's not about the nation state when it comes to, to Biden and the Democrat Party when it comes to this race. This is about the international order versus the nation state. And people don't endorse the international order. We're getting out of that. We're getting out of that. Us and the British, just like it was 100 years ago. We're pulling away from that system. And it's just going to be the two of us. I, and I, I told this to Marty. I said, look, man, it's going to be just like it was 100 years ago. Just the two of us. Just like it always was. That's how it is. We'll manage. Right. We can support each other. Yeah, we got some bad blood back in the late 1700s. Nothing, nothing major or anything. But, you know, we've moved past that. Right. <laughs> we're, we're dear friends now. And we're, we're both better nations because of it. Same thing with the Germans. Right. We had some bad blood in the past, but we've moved past that. We're dear friends now. And, and I mean that with all sincerity. And, and we're both better nations because of it. So it takes time. But internationalism is on the ticket versus the sovereign nation state. And that's not some lunatic uh, version of, of national socialism like the Nazis. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a nation that puts themselves, their families, their communities, their religious institutions first. You must take care of home first before you go and you help everyone else. 
If you've got enough food in your house to feed your family, you don't divide it up with the rest of the neighborhood because your family will starve. That's common sense. And that is what is on the table here at this election. It's not the Republicans versus the Democrats, right? The Republicans are just as bad as the Democrats in a lot of ways. By doing nothing, uh, I, I would argue that that's just as bad. But the people behind Biden represent the international order. And this is what we're trying to get away from. And this is what the referendum is, right? The English, they, they voted for, for Brexit and they got it. They spent three years stifling that, right? The, the order, the, the entrenched corrupt order in the UK. They spent three years. And you can ask any of the UK guys, right? We ask all the UK guys that come on here. They tell us the same exact thing. Spent three and a half years trying to stifle that deal. No deal. We don't know where there's as part of a deal. There's a there's a there's a border that we're going to have to implement down the middle of the Irish Sea. And it's just it's a joke. It's meant to wear you down and to just throw your hands up and say, I forget it. Do whatever you're going to do. But the Brits fought back. They came back a second time during their general election. Boris Johnson comes along, runs on a campaign of, quote, get it done. Very simple, straightforward to the point. That was Brexit round two. There was an even more overwhelming support to leave. It was a landslide victory. Now, Boris has done some things with all this COVID stuff that I think are quite disappointing. He's, he's kind of buckled. Uh, and I think that's really sad. But as far as the little people, right, us down here, we the people, we have put forward our vote and we've told the international order to go kick rocks, go fly a kite, go pound sand, go take a flying leap, whatever you want to call it. They don't like what we have to say. That's what this war is. It's a spiritual battle. It's not fought with with rifles and, and anti-air and, and tanks and, and bombs and all the rest of it. It's fought. But it will be with ideas. It will be if they don't stop at the current rate. If they don't stop. Yeah. But with us putting forward our vote by us having the ability to govern ourselves, to be governed by democratic rule of for and by the people, they don't care what we have to say anymore. And that is what these elections are about. So that's what the pushback has to be. It's not about it's not about Sleepy Joe, Crazy Joe, Pedo Joe, but whatever is, you know, whatever his name is. It's not about that. It's about the nation state. It's about you. It's about your family. It's about your community, your nation, your religious institution, whatever that might be, your religious freedom, because we can't go to church now, right? It's about your business. It's about you having the right to live your life and be left alone by your government, whatever government that is, whether it's American, whether it's French, whether it's Dutch, whether it's German, whether it's English, it doesn't matter. You have a right to be left alone by your government. And that's what these elections are about going forward, no matter where you come from, because we're all fighting the same fight. I've been saying that for, for months now. We need to put our differences aside. I don't care if you're American, German, Canadian, Italian. Where I know we got listeners in all these countries, wherever you're listening to us from. We've got differences. Yes, of course. But we got to put that aside. We, we got to put that aside. Just like we put aside our differences between the French and the British during the Second World War because we knew that there was a common problem called Adolf Hitler. We put our differences aside and we dealt with that problem. These types of people create people like that. This is going to be a bigger fight. So we have to put our differences aside and we have to deal with this problem. Because if we don't deal with this problem, then we all go down together. All right. I tell you what, Bruce, we're going to pop out of here a couple of minutes early today uh, because we got uh, we got something else we got to work on here. So uh, we are going to have to go. So thank you for sitting down today. So for those of you who have not, you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We love getting all of your likes, your echoes, your comments, and your feedback. You can follow me over there at janderson 3 or you can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you don't want to do it via social media, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamic 
ChristianIndependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible, but we need your help as a listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We're on just about every platform out there. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer, Pandora, iHeartRadio, uh, Podbean, you, you name it. Not SoundCloud. Of course, I have to say that. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could drop over to Apple Podcasts or any other respective platform you listen to us on and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. 